I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we continue our conversation about the five transcendental desires. We're talking about beauty, ugliness, and glamour. Honest insect. An honest insect? Yep. I don't know. A humblebee. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. <laughs> welcome to episode 16. Yeah. Um, welcome, welcome. Yeah. You want to share your joy junk, Jesus, Matt? I do. Um, my joy, last night, I went on a date with my wife. We went and saw the new Star Wars movie. Um yeah, every, when everyone died at the end, it was... Cra- I'm just kidding. Jeez. Spoiler alert. Not really. Wow. That wasn't a spoiler. <laughs> no, but it was really cool. Um, my wife's not a huge Star Wars fan, so but she really enjoyed it. And then um, we met up with some friends after for ice cream, so that was, that was fun. Nice. Um, my junk is that um, I've just been so busy, and part of it was part of my Jesus moment for the week, that I was out of the office for a couple days extra. Um... But I came back today and I just had so much to do. And it feels like all these, every day has been so overwhelming with stuff to get done in the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. That when I finally get a chance to sit down to pray, I have a moment where I'm like, I feel like I'm forgetting how to do this. Like, just because I'm like so overwhelmed with like other things occupying my mind. So um, that's been kind of my junk. But my Jesus is that I was on a youth ministry retreat that the Diocese of Orange put on for all of us youth ministers. Um, this week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. And, and it was um, just so awesome to be in good community, um, to have a really good quality retreat. And something that is happening, is able to happen in this diocese that doesn't happen in a lot of other dioceses where you have that type of like intentional community between the youth ministers who are willing to like take days off for themselves and go on yeah. retreat. And, you know, so it was really cool to see so many people there and to really have that fellowship. And, um, to see how the diocese is continuing to desire to invest in us and care for us. So it's just really good. So what about you? That's beautiful. Um, my joy was actually this morning. I woke up and it was very quiet in my room. And I realized Tony wasn't in bed and it was really early. And um, I kind of woke up and he like walked in and he had already made coffee. <laughs> and he just said good morning. And it was just a very sweet moment. Um, and just very relaxing moments. That was my joy. My junk is that I'm kind of in the same, um, place as that I'm very overwhelmed with everything that needs to get done right now, um, because there's a lot, and I keep forgetting to call the stupid pediatrician and make an appointment (laughs) with them, um, and just everything else that goes with that, with prepping for work and making sure everything is ready for that, um, just a lot. So then, my Jesus moment was this Sunday at Mass. Uh, my husband and I went and attended a Mass, or a church we don't usually go to. But it's right down the road, and so it was just convenient to go this Sunday. And the last time we had attended um, was like eight months ago, when we first found out that we were pregnant. Mm. And at the end of Mass, we had just found out within like a week. And so... 
um, at that mass, they said, can any expecting couples please come forward and receive a blessing? Uh, we do this at the end of the month, and um, we just would love for you to come forward. And Tony and I looked at each other, and we're like, we can't. People might recognize us, or um, we might know somebody here, mm-hmm. and like, nobody knows, so we yeah. can't go forward. And so we haven't been back to that church since. And so um, we went this Sunday not even thinking about it. And they they were doing it that Sunday, mm, and yeah. it was really beautiful because it was just full circle of yeah. the beginning of our pregnancy and pretty much not the end, but we're we're getting close. Yeah, this here. is the last end of the month mass. <laughs> this yeah before baby before comes. baby, um, and so we were the only couple, and we got to go up, and it was just really beautiful for the congregation to pray over us and just to have that special blessing as we go into this very big chapter of our lives yeah. with our family. So that was my Jesus moment. That's awesome. Yeah. Some would say it's beautiful. What? What? (laughs) That's what we're talking about. It's like I thought about that specifically for this segue. Wow. That's the segue music. Music and buttons. No, I'm just gonna make the music from now on. Okay. So, um, yeah. Do I need to do like hand motions for you to do a specific sound? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, okay, don't press that button. That was not a good button. Okay, anyways. So, we're in the midst of our five-part series. This is the fourth of the five. Uh, and we've been talking about the transcendental desires. That every single person um, in existence has an inherent desire for perfect love, being, truth, beauty, and goodness. And so, um, we've talked about how, of all of those things, there's a traditional opposite um, that we think is very much opposed to that. But however, our culture has distorted um, those values, virtues, desires in such a way that there is a more dangerous uh, distortion of those virtues that permeates our culture. And it comes from Revelation 3.16, where it says, if you are hot or cold, um, I would rather you be that. If you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so these are all those lukewarm, kind of inactive alternatives to these desires. And so we've talked about how the opposite of love is not hate, it is fear. We've talked about the opposite of being or belonging is not solitude, it is tokenism. We've talked about the opposite of truth is not lies, it's tolerance. And today we're talking about the opposite of beauty is not ugliness, but it is glamour. Uh, glamour. I was laughing because I just remembered how I'm having core team interviews. And we were talking about being lukewarm. And I don't think one of my teens understood what that meant because we had them do a survey and I asked them how their faith was and they said moderate lukewarm so I'm good (laughs) no anyways (laughs) I'll be talking with that one oh that's Um, funny so yes today we were talking about beauty and how the opposite of beauty is glamour um and really just if we look at our world and our society how glamour is such a a present pushing thing in our world you can look at our magazines you look at everything ads tv Um, movies celebrity lifestyles everywhere and it's (laughs) it's really interesting because when you think of beauty you immediately think of the physical you think of the body um and we have just completely over sexualized humanity um and that's a portion of what glamour is is that it over sexualizes humans and what true beauty is and so um there's such a high standard for what beauty is today, and it's unrealistic, and it's not true beauty. But 
it's very fake and very manicured. Um, but if we look at like the definition of what glamour is, it's the attractive or exciting quality that makes certain people or things more appealing or special. Um, beauty or charm that is sexually attractive or enchantment and magic. Mm. Those are the definitions of what glamour is. So even in the definition, it's like almost like not real. Yeah. It like implies magic. that it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enchantment. It's yeah. supposed to like, it's supposed to, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be fake. It's There's not a, yeah. supposed to be There's reality. an aspect of it that's a lie, basically. Yes. Or it's only focused on one part or the external. Yes. Not exactly. the whole thing. It's fake. It focuses exactly what you said on one quality of something. Whereas the definition of beauty, it's exciting. Um, it's pleasurable. It's generally pleasing. It's very attractive in a physical way. Um, it's very giving um, for pleasure of the mind and the senses. Um, not having any bad qualities. And so beauty is looking at something as a whole harmonious thing whether it's mm -hmm. a person whether it is an object um it is looking at the whole of the thing and, and realizing and recognize the beauty and it brings you to a new reality it's authentic it's raw um whereas glamour it's not raw it's fake it's magical yeah it's unauthentic and it's only one aspect that you are focusing on and looking at yeah so those are the two differences in glamour and beauty are the two differences but the definitions yeah. of what what we're looking at today um yeah and i i the the glamour aspect you see this also i think in like think of any tourism video you've ever seen mm -hmm. how like places are marketed like i'm thinking one for like there's one for california where they're like um we have so many board meetings and one of them's on a skateboard and it's like all these puns and stuff i'm thinking of this ad i don't know if any of you've seen it before <clears throat> but that ad is all about the glamorous parts of California. It's all about the things that you would do that cost money, that are a lot of fun, that are all about the experience, the Instagram moment. But of course they don't show anyone who's in poverty. Mm -hmm. They don't show like the difficult economic situation that we're in in California with, you know, homelessness. Like we're dealing with a, a, a particularly interesting homeless situation in Orange County where the county has asked the homeless community to move out of the Santa Ana Riverbed because they were in danger there. Anytime it rained or got flooded, a lot of them were dying. Um, but now there's nowhere that anyone wants to, to house them. And so, um, but you don't see those difficult things when you're talking about glamour. Um, and there is a beauty into looking into the darkness or the raw nature or the reality of things because that's where you really encounter, you know, Jesus in the difficulty and the suffering, but also Jesus in the um, the victory and in the resurrection and in the good. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is a, a wholeness there. There is a completeness that doesn't exist in glamour. Mm -hmm. You know, glamour is just all about one fleeting quality. And we see this a lot, unfortunately, in a lot of the extreme, um, the extreme conversation around the transgender movement when it happens, when it comes to children. You see, like, children um, who, you know, a young boy who maybe prefers playing with dolls instead of, you know, playing with army men or likes, you know, playing with makeup or dressing up, um, which is not an unusual thing for any boy to do. Yeah. Um, however, because of our culture and because of this, the extreme, um, and this isn't everyone in this movement, but there's people who are in the political extreme who are really about 
um, enforcing the uh, ideals of this movement in this particular way, that the second your child exhibits those things, it means that they want to be the opposite gender and you have to start giving them hormones. Yeah. And at a time in their life before their hormonal, their biological hormonal shifts have happened in puberty, that's such a dangerous thing to do. And a lot of it is because of the sexualization of children that you are putting upon them a uh, implication that they need to change their idea of what their gender is, which has sexual implications, all because of one aspect of something that they desire or like or are doing. Um, And children, they are so fleeting in the things that they're interested in and in the things that they do and the hobbies that they have. And so that's such a dangerous thing to do um, to a child that's that young. And it all has to do with this idea of glamour and or focusing on one external quality and using that to define the whole person's worth, the whole person's identity. It goes back to the episode we did on tokenism, that it's just this one thing that matters. Uh, and you see that in the modeling world. You see that you know in the appearances. I'm thinking of Leah Darrow. Who, um, the, she has a great book on beauty, Yeah, actually. it's called The Other Side of Beauty. Mm-hmm. That's what I was just going to say. The book she just came out about her experience on America's Next Top Model and in the modeling world. Um, and I'm sure you would see a lot of that in mm-hmm. that book. So, with, with beauty and with glamour, our society is so hyper-focused and so um, set in their ways on only being comfortable and what is convenient. And so with glamour, it it is this convenience of um, not having to be raw, not having to be vulnerable, um, Mm. because it's more convenient to be fake and to wear masks and not to really let anybody in. And so people can't really see your wholeness or your beauty completely and who you are. Um, And it's also more comfortable. Glamour is very comfortable. Yeah. You know, when just like you said with the California um, ad, looking at California as this very, very comfortable place, this Mm -hmm. very good place, which California is, but there's so much more to it, just as there's so much more to beauty than just one thing. Yeah. Um, what do you think about... I know this isn't something we really plan to talk about. Cool. But how this fire. applies to, like, makeup. Mm-hmm. You know? Because as a man, like, I don't I don't really, like, know the wholeness of it because I don't wear makeup. But I... My wife and I have conversations a lot about the fact that I think that people who wear a lot of makeup are liars. <laughs> and, I mean, that's just something that I... Because you... And a lot of it, don't get me wrong, a lot of it... We're sorry. A lot of it has to do with the intentionality as to behind the why you're wearing it. And I've had a lot of great conversations with women about that and with my wife about that. About like some people... My wife doesn't wear a lot of makeup, any really at all. Um, and, And I always notice that when people aren't wearing makeup are the times when I kind of see that they're most beautiful or attractive, at least to me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that's personal preference or I'm, I'm noticing something just about the innate beauty of someone. But I kind of have these conversations sometimes to, to ask people, like, do you really need that? Mm-hmm. Or do the people who, like, spend hours contouring and detailing their face and looking like a totally different person, yeah. do they need that? And is that showing off their inherent beauty or is it glamorizing them for one thing because i think there is a line there is a line. you can wear makeup to enhance yes. the natural beauty that you have and make yourself feel more beautiful not for anyone else but for you yeah. but it's a very fine and dotted line i think a lot of the time i think this is so funny because my husband and i just had this conversation yesterday morning mm-hmm. uh, while eating breakfast because 
he was on Instagram and he, he he came across a photo of a woman that was very 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 made up and he his his initial reaction was like yours it's just like why why is this necessary why yeah. do you need that like you're so beautiful without it um and we talked about how you know there's zero things wrong zero things wrong with wanting to enhance your beauty um and to put makeup on cuz because for a lot of us women Putting makeup on makes us feel better about ourselves a little bit in one way or another because mm-hmm. it make it to us, we just feel like we've done something with our day a little bit and it's fun. Makeup is always fun. I don't wear a lot of makeup either um, and I'm thinking of my wedding day when I literally panicked because I had a woman come and airbrush makeup on me and it didn't look like me and I didn't feel authentic mm-hmm. and I had almost wiped off all the makeup by the time somebody came in and like freaked out on me because they spent hours but it didn't feel like myself and Mm -hmm. I think that is where um that line kind of lies sometimes is that are we using makeup to be unauthentically ourselves and to be somebody else or to look like something else Mm -hmm. or are we using it to enhance our true beauty and acknowledge like yes I have flaws you know if you have acne if you have scars if you have whatever um but I'm going to enhance my beauty a little bit, but still authentically be myself. Yeah. And there's, there, I really, yeah. When it's so hard because there's makeup, such a fine line between it being vanity yes. or being like out of a desire to appear more attractive to gain attention mm-hmm. or, and like, where is that line? And I think mm-hmm. it's, so, you can, we can't draw it. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't have the answer. I'm asking this because I think it's something that we should be thinking about anytime you know, if you're female, if you put on makeup, but also like this has to do with fashion. Mm-hmm. This has to do with, you know, the way we cut and style our hair, like everything that we present externally. There's this verse in First um, Peter chapter three, verses three and four say, your adornment should not be an external one, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry or dressing in fine clothes, but rather the hidden character of the heart expressed in the imperishable beauty of a gentle and calm disposition, which is precious in the sight of God. That like, that everything that we do external should be an expression of the imperishable imperishable beauty that is the hidden character of our heart. So I think that's what you're getting at when it comes to makeup, where it's not problematic, is where, is it expressing a character? And same thing with fashion. Like, are you dressing in this way or wearing these labels because other people do and because they're expensive or because you genuinely feel like this expresses who I am? This gives me that, that extra confidence that I need to be able to share that with other people. And, you know, makeup, fashion, hair, it all kind of tells a story that people read the second they meet you. And are you telling an authentic story or are you telling an inauthentic story? And I think there's a, there's something to say about if you can't be without that thing. Yes. And you can't be raw, then you have, there's your issue. Like you need to address that and look at that and see, okay, why, why am I so not confident in myself unless I have this thing? Yes. Whether that's makeup, whether that's your hairstyle, whether that's, I mean... But yeah, your clothes, yeah. whatever it is, um, if and you have to be made up every single day and perfect yes, in that yeah. image of perfection, then you need to address that and look at that. Yeah. Obviously, there are extreme situations where people, you know, they, they don't want to explain. Maybe they have scarring or maybe they mm-hmm. have something that's going on medically where they're trying to cover something up because you mm-hmm. don't you don't want to have that conversation with the barista or the checker at the, right. you know, and so like you're doing it to conceal. It's called concealer, you know, for a reason. Conceal something that you can rightfully so keep to yourself or only share with the people 
that are closest to you who know your true beauty and who know the situation going on. So that's an extreme situation. I'm talking about generally, you know, like the way that we use these things. And I think, you know, that's exactly right. Like, is it enhancing the confidence that you sh- that you already have in the inner qualities of beauty that you, you um, possess? Um, and that's such a great question for any type of addictive or habitual behavior. Can I go without this for an entire day? And if you, like, I'm thinking of phones. If we, I mean, this doesn't really have to do with beauty. A little bit it does. But if you can't go without your phone for a whole day, you're addicted to your phone. If you can't go without TV for a whole day, you're addicted to your television. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that, like, even being married to my wife, I, I don't want to, but I could go a whole day without talking to my wife. Like, if we understood, like, I'm on retreat, I gotta be somewhere, like, you know that I love you, like, I, this is something that I have to do. I'm not addicted to my wife, I love her completely, but it's not, you know, the only thing that I should be living my life in such a way that I cannot go without Mm -hmm. is my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And anything that takes the place of that can become addictive. And with the phone, like that, or, or social media, or whatever it might be, all those things fill us with filtered images, glamorous images that aren't real life. Oh my gosh, that Instagram aren't beautiful. is the worst. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you have an opportunity to share moments of beauty, yeah. but it's all through a lens of like, this is everything my life is about. Right. There's not a wholeness to it. There's not a completeness. It's taking one aspect, one picture, one image. And like putting it in this mosaic of your life and saying like, this is who I am. This is what I get to experience. And, you know, it's, it's part of this reason that we've pointed out on several episodes that you can have thousands of friends or followers online and still feel like the loneliest person in the world. And the reason is because of this idea of beauty. Nobody has been offered the chance to know the true and beautiful you authentically as you are. And that can be difficult. That can be painful. That can be hard. Um, to share that with someone, especially if you have painful things in your past or painful like wounds that you're dealing with in your relationships with other people or how you're hesitant to develop them and trust. But it's something that's so necessary for someone to truly know us. So necessary for someone to experience the beauty of yeah. who we are. Yeah. So glamour and beauty, man. When we think of... So whenever I think of beauty, I... Oftentimes I think of the, the, like a body or a physical of like what people look like. But also when you go and stand on a mountain, like the rawness and the wholeness and the beauty of that um, is overwhelming. And mm-hmm. you could sit there. I mean, I myself, I could sit there for hours. Some people, you know, maybe that's <laughs> not what they see is mm-hmm. um, beauty. It doesn't move them as much as it would move me. But there's something just to nature that that there's um that raw truth yeah that nature speaks yeah um and then with glamour you know you don't stare at like a i don't know i'm trying to think of what would be the equivalent yeah like if you're like like, a skyline or apartments and be like this is beauty or like someone like gold leaf paints a whole tree and you're like this is luxury this is glamour like look how glamorous my yard is because i gold leaf painted all my plants like it'd be so weird it would be weird oh yeah a hundred percent someone probably has but i think like this is why it's it may be hard to think about like the word ugly because it has so much of a connotation of bad um and maybe that's a word that you don't like because you've been called that by bullies or people Mm -hmm. or something like that um Know that that's not true. That like, that's all has to do with someone's idea of glamour and what right. an ideal of quote unquote their version of beauty is, which right. really is glamour. But if you think about like a desert 
or like a barren type of landscape that it's not lush, it's not green, but yet if you stand at a vista and you look out, there's still this beauty that's there. Like I was camping in Joshua Tree recently, like a, a month ago with a bunch of my guy friends and you know, we climbed up this mountain and you look out and there's this, there's, you can see a riverbed that's dried up. You can see all these like this dead, these dead weeds and all this sand and all this dust and rock and nothing that seems very like lively or green or lush. And yet it's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the same, the same kind of idea that something that can seem so traditionally not pleasing to the eye or not beautiful, even in those places, there are beautiful things Uh, and that we, we need to start seeing ourselves and other people and our experiences in that same way, our relationships, our friendships, our families, like we need to stop thinking about life in an Instagram filter type of way. How do I make this look better? How do I hide this? Because if yeah, people really knew who I was or what was going on, angles. yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't want to be a part of it because it's ugly. It's it's beautiful. It's not beautiful. And um, this this is something that um, it's easiest to talk about in this particular episode, but it applies to all of these other desires. That when we, as a culture, deaden ourselves to what the true beauty looks like it becomes harder and harder to see it and appreciate it. So if you think of someone who's only, um, I don't know, what's something that's like a, a, an art medium or like something that is not very, it's very simple or beautiful. It's not very complicated. Um, I don't know. Music? Like a guitar? Uh, no, I'm thinking of like art. I mean. Like, like um... <laughs> okay, like if you think about modern art, oh, okay. you know, okay. when you go and you look at a modern art museum, there's always that one picture of like a blue square on a white canvas mm-hmm. that like a third grader could have done. And it's like in a museum and you're like, what is Why? this? And yes, there's this whole like idea of simplicity and minimalism behind it. You know, whatever. Nobody cares. It's, it's not, it's not beautiful <laughs> in the same way other artists. So if that's all the art you've ever seen. Okay, you've only ever seen blue squares on white canvas. Yeah. And people tell you that's beautiful, that's beautiful, that's art, that's beautiful. And then you walk into the Sistine Chapel mm-hmm. and you look up. You'll probably be really overwhelmed. And you probably part of you would be like, this is not beautiful. It's just too yeah, cluttery. And it's because you don't know how to recognize beauty. You've lost the ability or you never developed the ability to recognize true beauty. And that's something it exists in all of these desires that we're talking about in this five-part series. Same thing with love. Like if you've never experienced true love, that when someone tells you God is love and he loves you, that can be almost like um, difficult or repulsive yeah. to hear because you don't, you don't know what that means. You've never experienced that. If someone tells you your whole identity is about this one thing about you, this one thing about you, and then someone comes along and says like, no, it's about who you are completely as a whole. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like you don't care about this one thing. Like why not? Like why are you being so averse to it? It can be very repulsive to us. And the same thing with our last episode on truth, that, you know, if if you're just tolerating people uh, and that's all you've learned how to do, when someone says like, no, actually there are things that are objectively true and not, you can have this thing inside of you because you've been trained to react this way that like, okay, wait a minute, like, why are you pitting things against each other? Like, that's wrong. Because all you know is how to speak the language of the lukewarm middle ground. Mm-hmm. And yes, life happens in the gray area in the middle, but it's not an inactive middle. There's always action happening. And on both ends of this, you know, truth versus lies or beauty versus ugliness or whatever, both of those are active things. They're things that you engage with. You don't engage with the glamorous because it's just 
some vapid, shallow, one aspect thing. Like it's it's just stuck in all you need to know about that model is the picture you see. Right. All you need to know about, you know, this experience is the Instagram filtered image. Like there's no depth. There's no um, calling to further action or further relationship with the object or the experience of the person. Um, and that's what we're talking about. That's what all these desires are meant to engage us in is that encounter, that relationship, that fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and glamour doesn't do that. No. So true beauty by um, defined by St. Thomas Aquinas, it has three things. Matt. Do you want me to say I them? I can't <laughs> say them correctly. Bishop Barron always uses these um, as a definition. They're Latin words. So the, the definitions, um, the three qualities of beauty are wholeness, harmony, and radiance. But, but they come from Latin words <laughs> that um, um, come from, I think, St. Thomas Aquinas. And they are integritas, consonantia, I always mess that one up. and claritas. claritas. So... Integritas is wholeness. And you'd be like, well, why isn't it integrity? Well, if someone is has integrity, they're authentic. They share with you all of themselves. They're not holding something back. They're not being fake. There's a wholeness to who they are. That's what's meant by that sense of wholeness. It's complete. It's not just about one aspect. Like glamour is about one external aspect that we take to the extreme and we ignore everything else. Beauty is the opposite of that. It is about what is the whole um, I don't want to just know, um, see the beautiful image. I want to know the person behind it. I want to know um, their story. Uh, consonancia, meaning it's consonant. That's more of a synonym with harmonious. And what that means is that it's it's not contrary to anything else about that person. So for instance, the over-sexualization of glamour that we see in the media and in um, um, advertisements, especially TV and movies, that's contrary to the innate dignity that every person has because they're made in the image and likeness of God. So that's not consonant. It's not harmonious. Um, so there's something there that is inherently not beautiful because you're not appreciating the true beauty of that person. And then the last one, claritas, radiance. Claritas also can mean like clarity or there's a clear uh, a clearness to it. Um, and this you can think of a stained, a stained glass window. That if you're only looking at one feature of a stained glass window without the light through it, it looks ugly. It looks like not... I mean, not ugly, but it looks like just like a dark wall. Like, <laughs> but when the light shines through it, there's a radiance to it. There's a clarity to it. And that's what it means. It's, it radiates out the light of Christ so much so that it, it almost becomes transparent, that you are encountering Jesus by simply looking at that. You're encountering something beautiful simply by experiencing this. And you don't get that in glamour. You don't look at Cosmo magazine and say like, wow, Jesus, like... I experience you in this Cosmo magazine or like <laughs> I'm thinking of the office. I really feel Jesus in this Chili's tonight, Pam Halpert. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not like that, you know, yeah. it's, there's, there's a wholeness, there is a harmony, uh, harmony to it. And there is a clarity to it. Those are the qualities of beauty and glamor doesn't fit any of those categories. It's, it's opposing to those three characteristics um, completely. Yeah. So with, with the first one, with wholeness, um, it basically he defines it as it must not be deficit in what it needs most to be itself. So when we look at maybe ourselves um, or even that that painting that you were talking about, that blue square, mm-hmm. if we just looked at the blue square and we had no other background of what it is, we wouldn't get the wholeness of the image. But if the artist came and the artist spoke to us and told us like, okay, 
this is what I was feeling while I painted this, or this is my idea behind this creation. I, I still personally don't know I would be if like, I would this is still stupid, but... <laughs> but... But we would get a whole picture. You'd see the depth. You'd see more yes. of the wholeness, and it would become beautiful for yes, you. Yes, it would become beautiful for you, and you would be able to, like, further understand the background behind it, but it also would bring you to their reality of what they were feeling, what yes. they were imagining, what they were um, trying to portray. Yeah, there's an engagement for, there, a relationship, yes. an encounter with the person or the object or the experience. Yes. Yeah. Whereas, like Glamour, you would just look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you just and you would say, this isn't blue. pleasing to the eye. This is a freaking blue square. <laughs> I could have done this moving on. Literally, yeah, there's some modern art that I just... Yeah. But if I spoke to the artist, maybe I would understand it better. Maybe. Not likely, but maybe. Cool. But, I mean, when you look at If anyone out there is a modern art expert I'm that sorry. can make Jenna and I interested in useless blue squares, please call us because we genuinely want to know why this is exciting. Yes. Yes. But we're pretty... Our minds are pretty much made up at the same time. So it's an uphill battle. Yeah. So if you want to challenge, <laughs> let us know. Anyways, continue. Anyways, so... Um, like we've said multiple times, when you look at, you know, a magazine and you look at the women that are on the front of the magazine, um, there's only the glamour aspect of it. You do not know that person. You do not know what she stands for, what he stands for. Um, all you see is their body and what they're trying to portray, which is usually something that's over-sexualized. Um, yeah. And so you don't get the wholeness of that, that being, that person. Um, harmony. This is something that, mm, I don't know. I feel like harmony is such just a movement within your heart. Hmm. It's not really something that we really truly can fully explain. Because when we look at beauty, there's something that moves moves you. It's something that um, attracts you to a greater thing, like yeah. you said. Yeah. And harmony is something that when we look at when we look at glamour, oftentimes it's we ask the question of like why (laughs) you know rather than it revealing something true and something good um glamour is this very harsh very in your face very um it contradicts or contrasts something that true beauty yeah reveals you know know i mean if yeah if you know music i think it helps to understand this because in music like Mm. for a chord to be harmonious yes like it stacks like sing a note no, like sing it long so I can har- harmonize with you. Uh, Don't make it unharmonious because that's the next I'm point. trying to show. No. Do it again. Do it again. Uh, okay, that's harmony. Now just sing that same note again. Uh, like that's not uh, like that's not harmonious. That's dissonant or dissonancia. Which is like there's there's something there in the way that the notes are organized mm-hmm. that is not complementary. Mm-hmm. It's not they're not supporting one another. They're not working together for a pleasing sound or something that engages your ears in something that's good. Dissonance in music has its places because it draws you your ear more toward the beauty of the consonances. Um, and there's there's a composer, a choral composer. He's not religious. Uh, well, I don't know if he's religious. I just know he's not a Catholic composer. But his name's Eric Whitaker. And he does choral pieces mm. that are like, they show you the beauty of this interplay between consonance and dissonance. Um, so if you have a chance, go look up Alleluia, the Alleluia by Eric Whitaker, which is a religious piece. Um, and it you'll, uh, Whitaker is W-H-I-T-A-C-R-E. And listen to that. It's about nine or ten minutes long. 
meditate with it, pray with it. I mean, you'll experience the beauty of consonancia. Even though some of the notes rub together in a way that we're not used to hearing as pleasing, there's a sense that it's all working together. It's all um, unified. And that's, I think, that consonancia harmony idea. So if you're not in music, it's hard... If you're not used to that musical type of language or, or an ear, that's harder to understand, maybe. But if you're in any medium of art, um, it can be a little easier to to grasp. So then the last one, which um, radiance or clarity. And it should clearly radiate intelligibility. So um, the, it's like the inner logic of being... It impresses the knowledge of itself on the mind of the perceiver. So like you said, the stained glass window, being able to clearly see mm. the beauty, um, to see through it, to see... Yeah. Um, but in that definition you just gave, there's also a sense of like sharing or a vulnerability. Yeah. Like in that encounter, I know something about your the innermost person of you yes. that I didn't know before. Yeah. Yes. And it's... I think when we put all of these things together, it is that knowledge of the just bringing us to something higher, understanding, truly understanding the depth. And I think there's, a, I mean, there's two aspects of that. We can somewhat understand it because there, you know, sometimes it can be a little confusing or you don't fully understand what you're feeling or what you're perceiving, but you know, like it's that knowledge that this is something good and beautiful. Yeah. Um, that glamour doesn't bring us to. Yeah. Glamour, I think oftentimes glamour kind of makes us uncomfortable in the sense that like we are not enough where mm. beauty kind of states this is enough and this yeah. is good and yeah. this is beautiful and so i think that also has is if you see yourself as a masterpiece of art which you are in fact that's a quote from pope francis he once said every one of us is a masterpiece of god's creation what type of art have you been presenting what type of masterpiece have you been showing the world is it just something surface level are you just giving the world blue square you um, like just one particular aspect, one point with no explanation, no context, no ability to engage with it. Or are you sharing something that points to something more? Sharing something that points to something higher, something good, something true about you or about the God that you believe in. Um, that really is something that we can take from this um, in terms of practicality. I mean, yes, we want to really be thinking about the media that we're consuming, um, you know, um, do we look at those stories on Snapchat that are like so vapid and so over-sexualized? Do we read things like Cosmo Magazine and believe them as gospel truth? Do we have very shallow or vapid relationships with people? Do we um, cloud our perception of beauty by shallow things or by things that are even a huge distortion of beauty like pornography or something like that? All of those things can deaden our senses to recognizing the beautiful in our relationships and the people around us. And we can become more self-focused. We become more angry and frustrated toward other people. We become lonelier as a result. Um, and so it's a really good kind of test or a litmus test for our own relationships. How are we presenting our true selves to the people that we really want to share that with? Uh, is your life all about the experience? Do you, are you a person that experiences FOMO like all the time? Like if you're missing out because you want to have that Snapchat story like everyone else has. You want to have that Instagram picture. Uh, you want to be perceived a certain way. If this is something that you struggle with, like fast from Snapchat for a week. Fast from Instagram or Facebook. Fast from makeup. Fast from uh, brand names. Fast from 
um, I was going to say hygiene, but that's probably not wise. Please don't. But like fast from like doing your hair in the morning, like just wear a hat or something, you know, let your hair just be disheveled and however it falls, like whatever it is, something um, that you can do to really allow yourself to see not only your true beauty doesn't lie in one external quality of who you are, but also there is a deeper sense of beauty that is meant to be experienced by you in all of your relationships that you want people to see about you, but also you want to be able to start recognizing in yourself and other people. And that's really difficult when we have a very shallow, vapid, Instagram filter type of view of the world. And it's something, this is what I think is the most dangerous part of this um, glamour that's in our culture, is it's almost like a pair of 3D glasses that none of us realized we were wearing Mm -hmm. and that we don't know how to take off. We don't know if we can even see if we take them off. Like that's the scary part is like we've been so ingrained in this, especially those of us who are millennials and younger. This has been part of the technological world and the way they advertise and market to us for since it's been a thing, since the internet and media has been a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is something that we really are going to have to work hard to untrain our eyes to see in such a toxic way mm-hmm. um, that there is an inherent value and beauty in other people's experiences in the story behind the person um, and and that's something we we really have lost and that we need to regain or we're not really going to be able to learn how to love or to seek the truth or to be good or to know who we are as a being um, we're not going to be able without one of these desires Like if one of these desires is very, very distorted, it's going to prevent you from having the rest. Mm -hmm. That's why they're all, that's why we're doing this series. That's why they're all so connected. That's why we all have them because they all stem from the nature of God. The nature of God is, he is complete love, complete being, complete truth, complete goodness, complete beauty. And if you have any of those distorted, then there's an absence of God there. And so it's something that we really have to be conscious of in what we consume, what we listen to, uh, music wise. Um, what we spend our time doing, who we spend our time with, and the types of relationships we're looking for or that we have. Um, not just friendships, but like even romantic relationships can be all about the glamour, mm-hmm. you know? We, um, we all desire true beauty. We all desire all these things that we're talking about, the, the truth. But we all desire true beauty, and it's because we desire God who is true beauty. And so when we need to... Um, <laughs> take off, like you said, our 3D glasses, it is going to be very, very weird. Your world is going to look very different and you're, it's going to be very raw and you're not going to know how to handle it and how to really truly see beauty. Like we had said, like you have to retrain your brain and your eyes to see what beauty is. And oftentimes when we say like, I, okay, when I was a kid, still today, I love scars. Scars are like mm-hmm. my favorite thing. And I used to not intentionally fall because that's bad, but I would pick at my scabs <laughs> because I wanted them to turn into scars because mm-hmm. I thought they were so cool because I understood that scars were more, there was something more to do just a mark on your body. There mm-hmm. was a story to it yeah. and that there was a wholeness to that and that, um, a lot of us don't really understand that anymore, that scars are beautiful. And whether that's like a scar, an emotional scar, a physical scar, um, we have a hard time looking at our scars because there is a story behind it. And we yeah. don't want to look at the story behind it. Reminds us of the pain. It reminds us of the pain. Exactly. And when we look at Christ, 
we don't ever look at his wounds as ugly, right? Mm-hmm. We look at his wounds as beautiful and good. Um, and There's a reason why they weren't healed when he resurrected. Yes, exactly. And for us to recognize that our scars, our wounds are beautiful because there's a story behind it and a growth behind it mm-hmm. and a healing behind it. Um, but we have a really hard time with that concept of those things that our world calls ugly as beautiful. And so recognizing that in yourself, your emotional scars, your physical scars, those wounds that you have, those are beautiful things and they are good. Even though maybe what happened to you was not good, mm-hmm. The result and where it is now leading you, where God is calling you into, that is good and that is beautiful because he's calling you into something deeper into himself and to learn something greater than what you are like currently encountering. Or to help other people who Mm -hmm. are facing the same thing that you did, which is can be a very beautiful and triumphant experience of something that was terrible Mm -hmm. and can turn it into something beautiful. Yeah. It's almost like night vision. You know, like, so like you see anyone in night vision, if if you're not trained to see something beautiful, mm-hmm. say for instance, um, if you're not trained to see in the dark, yes. you put on night vision goggles. Those are, let's pretend those are your glamour goggles <laughs> and you can see basically in one or two colors, you know, you can basically see the shapes that are around you. You can get around, but you only judge it for what it is. You know, you can't really see color. You can't see gradient. Nothing looks beautiful really through night vision. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're seeing what is being offered to you and responding to it as it is. When you take off the glamour goggles, you can't see. When you take off night vision, you can't see it's dark. However, if you are exposed to a huge amount of light while you're wearing night vision goggles, it overwhelms the glasses. You won't be able to see, but if you take them off, you'll be able to see because the light is shining and illuminating the darkness. And I'm writing a thesis right now. I just graduated from with my master's from LMU. My whole thesis is on evangelization through beauty, through experiences mm. of beauty. And how in today's culture, people are very averse to the idea of there's an objective truth because it's all about personal experience in the postmodern world, all about that um, every human is their own authority. And there's different ideas of the good because people have, you know, there's moral relativism. People can decide for themselves what's good. However, if you can give someone an authentic experience of beauty, they can't explain that away. Because there are certain things that just engage everyone in such a way that's like, wow, something powerful just happened. It's a reason why we watch flash mobs on YouTube or audition videos for shows. You know, like there's something Mm -hmm. about a presentation of of something greater than yourself that engages an audience or people who watch it. Um, and, and they, they can't explain it and they don't really want to, they might want to find out more about what that is. And that's why I think it's such a good tactic for evangelization. And so, um, that's just something I want to caveat this with that. If you're interested in, in sharing your faith with today's generation or sharing your faith in this culture, that's so pervaded by tolerance and comfort and glamour and all these different things and fear, beauty is one of the best ways to do that. And that's something Bishop Barron, again, is very big on sharing. And um, a theologian that I've been studying, Hans Urs von Balthasar, he wrote like a seven-volume work called The Glory of the Lord, all on beauty. Um, You can go read it if you want. It's very, very uh, nerdy theological stuff. But you can find a lot of synopses synopses and quotes from him (laughs) online. Um, But his whole, whole argument of this is that if you can engage someone 
and something greater than themselves, you don't have to really work as hard anymore to convince them that something is true or something is good because they already experienced something beautiful. They saw that it was good and they're going to seek the truth behind it themselves. Whereas if we lead with the true and we're like, oh, well, this is what the Catholic Church teaches or this is what you should do because it's true, because look at the Bible, because look at this. If people are averse to that, they're like, no, you just need to be tolerant of everyone. Like, you know, I think that's true for you. It's not doesn't have to be true for me. You have no open door. You've, there's not, there's no... There's no buy-in. They're not connected to the argument at all. They're not connected to that idea. They haven't had an experience. And so for us, we can share the beauty of the faith. Why am I Catholic? Why do I think it's beautiful? Why do I believe in God? How have I experienced him change my life? And draw them into those moments or those types of encounters that they will be able to experience God. Then they'll ask the questions because they see that it's good and they want to know the truth behind it. Um, And so that's what that's all about. But I think that's just one side of this, but also emphasizes the idea that this, this concept of beauty engages us in something bigger than ourselves and glamour doesn't do that. Um, And so we can't glamorize the church. We can't pretend that the church doesn't have difficult teachings or um, that the church hasn't been through its share of scandal or um, difficult moments in history or when people in the name of the church did things that were corrupt and wrong. We can't glamorize those things away. Um, you know, the one hallmark of our church is that we're sinners. That's what, when Pope Francis got elected Pope and was asked by, you know, the media, who is Pope Francis? He said, I'm a sinner. Like, that's not a very beautiful statement. That could be um, almost argued to be a very ugly statement because you're sharing the worst part of yourself. And yet there's beauty in that. So to recognize that there doesn't need to be the sense of perfection when you share the faith, um, but just engage people in the beautiful. I think something that, I mean... A good example of that is looking at the cross and looking at the blood and looking at the wounds. And for a lot of us, I know when we when we see images of that, a lot of us want to look away and, and stop and just like, I, this is too much, it's too overwhelming. But the moment that we look at the cross and we look at Christ and we look at his wounds and we see the amount of love that is being expressed on that cross and shown on that cross, we see true beauty. And what that tells us is that true beauty can be very broken. True beauty can be raw and it is all messy and whole. And there's so much more to beauty than just one aspect, one quality that we've been talking about. There's a whole story to it, just as the cross has a whole story to it, just as those wounds have stories um, of our salvation and our resurrection that is to come when we're looking at the cross. But there's just so much. Yeah. So much to beauty rather than just one thing that glamour portrays. That's why I love being Catholic, because you walk in every church and you see the crucifix. You don't Mm -hmm. just see a cross. Mm -hmm. You know, and yes, the cross is a symbol of victory, but it can turn into a glamorized explanation away of the messiness and the brokenness of the crucifixion. And I love walking into Catholic churches and seeing the crucifix and knowing my brokenness, my perceived ugliness, everything that's a mess about me is welcome here. Yes. Um, So our saint for this episode is someone who recognized... And was very averse to this idea of glamour in her own life and sought to seek true beauty for herself, even though she was very physically beautiful at the same time. And that is St. Rose of Lima. 
She's the patroness of Latin America, the Philippines, beauty of gardeners. Um, her feast day is August 23rd. She was the first person to be um, declared a saint in all of the Americas. Um, so she's South American. So there's another person who was the first person to be declared a saint in North America. Um, but she's in all of the Americas. Um, she was born April 20th, 1586 in Lima, Peru. Her name was Isabel Flores de Olivia. Um, she was very beautiful and she earned the nickname Rose. And she actually had a vision seeing her own face turn into a rose. So she took the name Rose at her confirmation when she was 11 in 1597. Um, she had a lot of suitors come and despite the will of her family to get married, she rejected them. She cut her hair. She would smear pepper on her face. Um, she wanted to become a nun really, really early of an age. And what so she, pepper supposed to do to her face? I don't know. Maybe it like messed up her complexion or something. They have some gnarly peppers in South American oh, okay. countries, like spicy. I'm just imagining. I'm not maybe a very like spicy food person. Or something? Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Sorry. <laughs> um, but she used to fast and do penances in secret because she was like, she didn't want people to see what she was doing. She wasn't doing it for the glamour of it or for the, the recognition. She thought this was truly beautiful. She would sleep only two hours a night so she could spend more time praying. Like, if you've ever thought, I don't have time to pray, like St. Rose of Lima is like, imagine her right behind your shoulder, like going like, really? Like, really? How much did you sleep last night? Like, really? Anyways. Um, so... She even would fast from meat, which for that time in the 1500s was extreme, uh, and tried to hide her beauty. Um, at times, she even took it to a degree where um, she burned her hands once or she wore a heavy crown with spikes um, to show that like beauty wasn't about her external experience or not uh, experience, appearance. Um, and there's a fine line there, but I'm not telling anyone to go do that because there's a fine line there between like self-harm and really yes. like negative aspects of the body. But um, it seems as though in, in stories about her and in the way that she did it, it was always about rejecting the idea of what other people saw as beautiful and her trying to enhance the beauty of Christ that she experienced in her. So um, she joined the Third Order of St. Dominic when she was 20. So she continued to pray, fast, do penance. Uh, she went to Mass every day, and she spent time every day in adoration. And she ended up dying August 25th, 1617. She was only 31, and she was rumored to have predicted the day of her own death. Um, and so she was kind of a prophetess in that sense as well. Um, and this has to do with what you said about the cross. Her, one of her quotes is, um, the gift of grace increases as the struggle increases. Mm. That there's beauty in the Mass, there's beauty in the struggle. Um, and also along the lines of the cross, she says, um, apart from the cross, there is no other ladder by which we may get to heaven. <laughs> so her reminder to us is that true beauty is um, something that isn't always cookie cutter. It's not always, it's never glamorous. Um, that may point to something that's deeper that could lead you to the true beautiful part of it. But that beauty often comes with all of the good and the bad, the glamour and the wounds the um the vapid things that we see as beautiful the attractiveness i guess you could say and the messiness and so um that's something for us to keep in mind that we can ask for saint rose of lima's intercession especially if you struggle with this idea of seeing yourself as beautiful or falling into traps of glamour with social media and music and art and what you consume in a media type of way um to really ask for her intercession um, for you to see what is truly beautiful so that does it for this episode. We have one more episode in the series that is coming next um, on good and evil. Uh, and so 
We're excited for that. If you like, uh, if you like this episode, please like us on social media, share it, follow us on social media at Mana Food for Thought on Instagram. You can go to our website www.manafoodforthought.com, and you can email us if you have any questions or episode suggestions at manafoodforthought at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to support our podcast financially um, and get a shout out and, a, and access to exclusive content, uh, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month on Patreon, and that's on our website as well. Uh, and please rate and review this podcast on whatever medium you listen to it on our website on uh, google play stitcher uh, itunes uh, because that helps other people find it um so until next time we will see you in the eucharist that's if i'm here next time oh yeah you're gonna have a baby soon pray for me and (laughs) pray for erica obviously too but um my due date is in two weeks yes baby's on the way so we will see you when we see you and And also in the eucharist Eucharist. (laughs) bye guys bye (laughs)